listening to The Jim Laird Show on Body IO FM, where health and performance collide with your host, Jim Laird. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Jim Laird Show brought to you by Body IO FM. I'm your host, Jim Laird. Um, it is a rainy Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, afternoon is 1230. And, um, so I thought I'd jump on here, record a show. I'm kind of in a, in a transition phase. So you might, you might say, uh, in my business, I'll get into more detail on that in the next couple shows. I've, um, going to be restructuring my business to allow me to have a little more free time, um, my need, my my personal needs have changed, and the way I run my business has changed over the last several years. And I've kind of learned to figure out what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. And I need to kind of restructure my business to focus on what I'm good at, as opposed to trying to do a lot of the things that I suck at. So the side effect of that is going to be me being able to have more free time because right now. Um, I don't have a lot of free time, so that's why a lot of these, I've had a lot of good questions lately. So a lot of the last couple episodes have either been like little rants or like Q&As because it's so hard to, I've got a couple episodes that I need to catch up on, but it's hard when you're working as much as I am right now to schedule, you know, interviews with people and the people, a lot of the people that I interview are really busy themselves because they're also, you know, working with people. I try to get people on here that are actually in the trenches as opposed to kind of just, you know a keyboard warrior. So it's hard to line up those schedules. Um, so, you know, this is going to be more of a Q and a, and I've got some, some really good questions today, so I'm pretty excited about it, but I'll let you know, um, here over the next couple shows, what I'm doing to kind of simplify my life so I can have a life, you know, when I think people, you know, don't realize how much, uh, I love my job. I love everything that I do. But when you're dealing with training three to four or five, six people an hour, sometimes in class we have up to 10 people and you're doing that, you know, six to eight to 10 sessions a day. Um, it's not like an office job where you can go into an office and close the door and vegetate for a couple hours. You've got to be interested. You've got to be attentive and you've got to be engaged. And that's just exhausting, you know? So uh, I need to be able to find a little more balance for myself so I have the energy to uh, to be more engaged. So that's pretty much where I'm going in the next couple uh, couple months. The main the main big change is going to happen in September, which is which is pretty pretty darn close. It's uh, it usually takes a couple weeks for this to come out. So right now it's the end of July. So by the time this comes out, it'll be August. So I'll be getting close to uh, you know making some major changes in my business which I'm excited for, to say the least. Um, I also have um, three different powerlifting meets going on here in the next uh, couple months. I've got uh, one girl that's qualifying for nationals at a lower weight class. So she's doing a meet in Columbus in August. And then the rest of the girls are doing a meet in September. And then uh, we got nationals. We've got one girl competing um, in Orlando uh, in September. So I've got three meets and then I've got one girl, which is kind of exciting, uh, that's doing what's called a super total. 
um, at the meet in September. She's on Saturday. She's doing Olympic lifts, and Will Fleming is her coach. And I'm helping her with her powerlifting stuff. Um, so she's doing her super total on Saturday and or her Olympic lifts on Saturday, and then she's doing her powerlifting lifts on on Sunday, which is really cool because it's like, you know, a super total is something that not a lot of people can do or get to do. So that's kind of really cool. So that brings us to the first question is from Jenny. And Jenny uh, has been following me for a while and some of the girls uh, online, and she really wants to get into powerlifting, but she's afraid to. Um, And you hear this a lot. And um, it's kind of interesting because I was listening to Chad Wesley Smith and Marissa Enda the interview that she did, and if you don't know who Marissa Enda is, she's an incredibly strong female um, who just won the world championships. Um, an incredible gutsy performance. She, she went overseas and had to deal with the, all the flying and all the logistics of that and cutting weight, and she did an incredible, incredible job. And She talked about how her first powerlifting meet, she just went and did it. She didn't even know the rules. Like She figured the rules out when she got there. So I think it's kind of cool. You know, I think a lot of these things that, you know, um, and Marissa is kind of, uh, and Chad pointed out this out, um, you know, and, and it's so true. And, um, and Dave Tate, you know, pointed this out years and years ago, you, you can't flex bone. And so the women that have more muscle are going to do better in powerlifting or weightlifting or whatever sporting endeavor it is. Um, Marissa had a background in gymnastics and then she did some kind of bodybuilding slash figure type stuff. And then she went into powerlifting and and had some very great success. Um, It didn't, you know, obviously didn't come super easy for her. It still took her some time to get to a world-class level. But one of the main advantages she had was the fact that she had so much muscle mass from gymnastics and then from her bodybuilding stuff or figure or whatever you want to call it. So let's kind of take... Uh, this step by step for and this 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 kind of goes towards dudes as well but you know dudes are kind of a little different creature they'll they'll kind of go in and lift stuff on their own uh, and they'll just kind of do it you know and they'll just throw keep throwing weight on the bar keep throwing weight on the bar but let's let's give you kind of from what I've learned from working with a lot of women uh, what the most important steps are one circumferential expansion you have to be able to get your rib cage, your belly button lined up in a good position and be able to brace under that. Okay. And there's all sorts of ways to kind of different exercises you can do to, to get that going. And I'll post a couple videos, uh, one particularly from Bill Harton, where he explains circumferential expansion, belly button, rib, rib cage together, which would be basically the PRI would call it the zone of apposition. We have to be able to get into that position. Usually I have people exhale to get that position locked in and then have them breathe into that exhale, like breathe into that position to lock it in. That's going to be the key for longevity. If you're stuck in a scissor position, which is basically this extended position where you're interiorly tilted, your ribs are up. Yes, that's a strategy, and you can get really strong in that strategy, but it's got consequences. You're going to have you know tight lower back. You're going to be using joints to create stability. Uh, it's going to affect your ability to squat deep. And for a lot of women, that might not really affect that, but you're going to end up having some hip issues, knee problems. It's the, the circumferential expansion, the bracing 360 in a good position is going to increase your longevity, and it's also going to uh, help you squat deep. 
it's going to help protect your back. It's going to help just basically with wear and tear because that's really the name of the game in, 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 in powerlifting is managing the shear. You're going to have some shear, but you have to have uh, you have to manage that shear so it's not overwhelming. Um, the second thing you want to do is you want to build patterns, okay? And you got to find kind of what squat works best for you. And there's, you know, squatting with a kettlebell at first is a really good way. And there's all sorts of articles on squatting and videos on squatting. And I'll, I'll look through and find a few to stick up. But learning how to get in that position... Um, so developing a squat pattern and you don't have to, when you first start, if you've never lifted weights before, it doesn't take much to get stronger. Like you can do body weight squats and get stronger. You could squat a 30 pound kettlebell. You could squat the bar for sets of 10 and you're going to get stronger. So the most important thing I would say is, you know, develop that squat pattern and then learn how to do a hinge pattern. If you can't maintain a good position from the floor, Pull from blocks, pull from a kettlebell, do something, and then later on, like just build that general strength in that hinge position. And later on, you can figure out whether you need to pull conventional or sumo. And most women do do better pulling sumo um, for the most part, but it's more technical. But you need that general strength so that you can lift just in general, and then you can figure out like the little details later. But you're going to want to do a lot of accessory work. So, um, for example, like when we squat, um, you know, we're doing, the ladies are doing dumbbell press in between their squat sets. Um, or they're doing some sort of pull downs or, or something uh, upper body related. Uh, in On their bench days, they're doing, you know, not necessarily heavy squats, but they're doing, some girls will squat with a bar with lighter weights. Some we'll use, we have the belt squat machine, so we'll use that. Uh, we'll squat with kettlebells. We're trying to develop that squat pattern. We're trying to squat and hinge as many times as we can uh, during the week. So in between upper body days, we might, you know, we'll do some single leg RDLs in between benches. We'll do some squats just so you get more uh, exposure to those movements. And then on deadlift day again, we'll do more upper body stuff. You know, vert, you could do landmine presses, you can do push-ups, you can do dumbbell presses, you can do uh, push-ups. I mean, there's as long as you're getting a lot of volume in to help build muscle mass, um, that's probably, you know, most women's number one need is to build as much muscle mass as possible. Um, and it, and it will actually make you shrink, believe it or not. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll help you lean down uh, by putting on extra muscle. And a lot of women get confused when they see somebody um, who has muscle. Um, they'll say, well, they look bulky, um, but they've actually gotten smaller. Like I've had women that are a size zero that people will say, well, she looks bulky. No, she's just lean, <laughs> you know. So there's this kind of uh, misconception that, that if you're going to put on muscle mass, you're going to look bulky. But you actually usually end up getting smaller. It's just perception. A lot of a lot of women um, will misinterpret leanness with bulkiness, um, and that's that's kind of weird. It's changed a lot. Like CrossFit has been real positive for that. Uh, that you know, having an athletic, muscular woman is not the taboo that it used to be, uh, which is which is really cool. Um, 
things have started to swing in that direction. So it's, it's, that's nice to see. Um, and, and, you know, if your diet's in order, you know, we've got several women that have dropped multiple pounds, multiple clothing sizes, you know, by lifting and doing, you know, very low intensity cardio, uh, not really training that much, uh, and seen a drastic re- reduction in body fat, um, those lifting weights is, is great for that. It's something you can maintain forever. Um, and, and then like a program, like I really like for like beginners, like five, three, one, and, 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 and I can't emphasize enough to the beginner to underlift. Like you shouldn't be like straining super hard in the beginning. You shouldn't be like having to arch really hard. Uh, your form should be impeccable. You should be lifting those lighter weights like they're heavier weights. So intent, that's one thing that's really hard to teach women is that intent to create force. Um, you know, expl- you know, learning once you learn the pattern, like obviously the first time you squat, you're not going to be able to try to squat with as much force as you can. But squatting every rep from the bar all the way up to whatever your working sets are with the same intent that it's heavy is going to go a long way and 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 speed up your process but a, a you know a beginner should run something like 531 like a linear periodization for a year at least before they start playing around with anything else you need to build that base general uh, level of strength up and 531 is a a great program for that as for the bench press the number one thing that women struggle with is one finding a good bar path um, and two staying tight and sticking the chest out at the bottom and remaining tight because most women will come down and they'll kind of just relax um, they have to stay tight driving the feet into the ground the whole time and that just takes practice and then making sure that you're pausing uh, every time you press so that that when you go to the meet that just becomes becomes second habit and you just have to um, just add more volume to the bench and then understand that like a five pound jump on the best bench press for a woman, you know, especially if she only weighs like 130 pounds is like me taking a 50 pound jump percentage wise, you know, so the progress isn't going to be, um, as you know, a woman can make amazing. And then her first couple years, put a couple hundred pounds on her squat, put a couple hundred pounds on her deadlift, but the bench is going to be a totally different animal, and it, it ends up frustrating a lot of women. But figuring out that the bench is a full body movement, um, you know, you're squeezing the bar as hard as you can, you're pulling your shoulder blades together as hard as you can, you're driving your feet into the ground, and you're pressing uh, your body away from the bar uh, and creating as much force as you possibly can is a really hard concept for, for most women to get. Um, so... The name of the game is volume in the beginning. You need a lot of volume. You need a lot of practice. Um, But, you know, there's other things you can do, too, to create general strength. If you're a pure beginner, we'll do a lot of prowler pushes and carries and things like that with the women that are brand new that don't have a lot of gymnastics experience or, um, you know, especially women that don't have a lot of lifting and general experience, you know, like bear crawls. Anything like that to build general strength is going to carry over into those barbell lifts. Um, and then obviously if we have someone that has 
a training background, the, the, the way we approach things are going to be a lot different. Uh, a lot of it's just tweaking core position and then figuring out what, where they're at and, uh, and going from there. But, you know, step ups, lunges, you know, you should be training three to four days a week. Um, and, uh, adding as much accessory exercises in there, glute ham raises, RDLs, things like that to build overall muscle mass and general strength. And then as you get close to the meet, like you're four weeks out, you know, you can work on um, um, getting the reps a little lower and learning how to strain a little bit. Pause squats are great too. But um, in the beginning, it's all about getting as many reps in as possible and just practicing that brace uh and then when you go to your first meet don't like shoot for the moon you know pick a weight that you know you can do five to three to five times for your opener you know second attempt pick a weight you know you can do for three reps and then just always underlift at each meet like you don't want to like you know you want to your first meet what sets you up for your second meet and your second meet sets you up for your third meet and if you're always lifting just a little bit under your true max, it's going to set you up for longevity because a lot of people rush into it and they push themselves a little too hard and then they end up getting hurt or they end up getting burned out. And most women in general, if they're in pain, uh, are not going to push through and are not going to uh, continue to train. So uh, being as efficient as possible is the name of the game when you're working with, with your what I'd call your normal female um, client that, that just is like, hey, this is something I might want to try. That's cool. Uh, efficiency is the name of the game. And you get that through bracing, and then you get that through smart accessory work, and then uh, high-quality repetition work um, in the weight room. So hopefully that kind of answers your, your question. And uh, I'll, I'll put some links in about circumferential expansion, about how to squat properly for you. That's going to vary. Some people squat narrow. Some people squat wide. Some people squat with more of a lean. That's just a matter of figuring out what feels best for you and what works best for you. And that's just a matter of trial and error. And there's a lot of different – a lot of it depends on body types and limb lengths. Um, I could, we could talk about that. That's a whole other show on itself. But it'd be much easier to put some put some videos up that kind of explain that. There's some really good content from people like Chris Duffin, Bill Hartman, um, Mike Robertson has some really good content on things like that. So we'll put some stuff up there for you that'll help you um, with that. Um, the Strength House, uh, they have kind of an online support system. Uh, Greg Robbins and Tony B. Bel, Bel, Belchecchio, Vecchio, I don't know, I can't pronounce his last name, but those guys are doing a lot of good things. Um, they'd be somebody good to, to follow. Uh, they have a, a really cool group of ladies that and people that, that train and, and post stuff on their Facebook, and they provide feedback for them, so they have a really good thing going there. And then I had another uh, woman reach out to me via email that I ended up talking on the phone with her about, and she's got a 13-year-old volleyball player who shows some promise uh, and she was wanting to know how to set her up for success over the long term. And gosh, over the last, since 2001, I've probably worked with, it's gotta be getting close to 30 kids 
that have I've worked with from the age of like 11, 12, all the way through college. And I'll kind of just give you my thoughts on that as far as, you know, what I talked to her about. Um, our system's not set up basically with the best interests of the athlete in mind. Um, the, the, the volleyball thing is, is pretty crazy. They have a club season. They have a high school season. They don't really get any time off. So I advised her what I've seen works the best uh, in the couple of the girls, a couple of the volleyball girls I've worked with in the last couple of years is let's figure out which is better. Is the high school, usually the club, is the club scene is higher competition. Pick one. And, you know, if high school is not as good, then don't play high school, just play club. And then when during that off season, you can train harder, you can develop some of the explosive power. It's very hard to do that while you're practicing all the time because your body, you, you can't put enough of a stimulus on the person when they come in to train because they're not going to be able to recover from it because you don't know what the hell they're going to do to you in practice and in, in these tournaments. They're playing in these multiple tournaments on the weekends. So you need a few months where you're getting a break from that competitive um, drive. It's really being having competition all the time is very stressful, especially on someone who's 13, who's not fully developed. Um, you know, even pro athletes get you know time away from competition so they can recharge mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever, emotionally. If that's not an option. Um, then you need to find a coach who's, who's, who's pretty conservative that's going to basically make the weight room or second sport so that she can get in a couple times a week and work on basic hinging patterns, work on some single leg stuff, work on you know some more landing mechanics than anything. Um, they're jumping enough in volleyball already. Um, to give her some movement variability, most injuries happen when someone becomes highly specialized and they get stuck in one strategy. Okay, now if we're working with someone who's peaking in the Olympics, we want them to be highly specialized because they've got that one event they're going to compete in and then they get away from it for a while and they come back and peak again. With this volleyball, if you're playing all the time, you really can't peak. Um, you don't have the opportunity to get ready for to be at your best for a certain period, amount of period of time. You kind of have to be this generalist and just kind of keep it together all year round. Um, and then one of the things you need to do is you need to be able to build um, a strength, like their ability to hinge, their ability to do single leg work, their ability to squat, because they're going to be exposed to this stuff. If they do go to college, they're going to go jump into a strength program. A big part of my business in the last 10 years has been repairing people that have gone into college sports that have never been in a weight room before because they were too busy playing their sport, mostly soccer. I uh, see a lot of that with soccer and basketball. And they'll go into a, a college program and they'll, they'll max these kids, they'll max these girls on the squat, on the overhead press, and usually they'll end up, you know, busting a few of them it's getting better like a lot of the college strength coaches are you know especially for the women's sports in the past the football guy was in charge and they really were just like kind of okay i i have i coach the football team and that's where i want to be but i got to work with golf and i got to work with volleyball but you know i was at arizona i actually really liked working with the the, the, the female athletes it was much more enjoyable for me uh, you don't have to be this huge uh, gorilla um they're much more coachable. That's a different subject altogether. But um, 
get you have to get your kid ready for later on down the road so they can survive their training program when they get to college so they move well they have a good strength base so they can handle some of the stresses they're going to be put on them um and and mike boyle's talked a lot about about a lot about about this it's you know we're our current system is highly skewed towards developing skills but not very skewed towards developing the body physically and since kids don't mow grass they don't work on farms they don't you know go outside and play climb trees and all that sort of thing the weight room has to become that 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 place where we develop that resiliency we develop that general strength we develop the ability to pick and carry things and 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 build general capacity so that they can handle the more specific training in their sport so if you don't decide to take uh you know pick one over the other club or high school then you're going to have to get into the weight room but the training's not going to be as intense as it would be if they had a complete off season um, with the off season is when you build explosive power um and you, you're able to improve a lot of these modalities because you can train them hard enough and they're not going right to practice and they can actually recover from training. I, I have a girl that's actually getting ready to go to college and we, we, we did that with her. And the difference between her, um, you know, when she first started with me and she was probably in the ninth grade, 10th grade, um, and she could barely, and a lot of it comes with maturity too, but, you know, in less than a year, she went from barely being able to get her eyes over the net to getting her chest fully over the net when she took the high school season off and started really getting stronger and really working on building explosive power. Um, when she went back to club, she could hit the ball straight down. It took her a little while to get her timing because she could jump so much higher she was over jumping the set. <laughs> um, and that happens a lot, but she could hit the ball. Whereas before she could hit the ball to the back of the court but now she can hit the ball straight down and the thing that she also said was that she was so excited to be back playing volleyball the time away uh allowed her to you know to eat better uh she wasn't running around all the time in the car and having practice every night and getting home at like 10 o'clock at night and having to do homework she was able to rest more she was able to eat better she didn't have any shoulder pain or any kind of, you know, knees baking or back aching, which she did before when she was playing year round. And she noticed, you know, all the other girls that went straight from high school, straight into club, they were all sore. They were all beat up. They were all like tired and they weren't really excited about being there where this girl was bouncing around and she was so excited to be there. And, and, um, uh, she was able to put a lot of power uh, you know, on in the, in the off season. And she, you know, when she hits the volleyball, it's like a cannon shot. It's like, boom. And, um, it's funny because her college coach commented that he was just kind of sitting around watching film. And then after a while, it just gets kind of redundant and redundant and redundant. And then all of a sudden he was talking on the phone and her film was playing in the background and it sounded like a gunshot going off when she hit the ball. <laughs> and, he was like, holy crap, who's this girl? So, you know, part of her reason for getting seen and, and, and ending up at the school she was at was because we were able to develop this power, which is very hard to do when you're playing year-round. Um, so, and then the mental and the, and the physical burnout, the fatigue. So we have to manage that. So it, it's just, it doesn't, 
it, it kind of is counter counterintuitive that you would want to get away and, and you'd want to do something else. Like I encourage, you know, parents like you know, with baseball or whatever sport it is, you know, when they're 13, 12, 13, you know, think long-term, you know, play, you know, have an off season, do something different in the off season, do jujitsu, do judo, do, you know, something that that's, that's going to develop some different skills for them. Um, just have play some rec basketball, play something different. It doesn't have to be at a high level just to expose them to some different movement. So the best athletes are going to be there in the end. You know, if you look at most of the athletes that play end up playing in the NFL, they're multi-sport athletes. Um, you know, Wayne Gretzky was a multi-sport athlete, baseball, lacrosse, hockey. Mia Hamm was a multi-sport athlete. LeBron James was a multi-sport athlete. Kobe Bryant was a soccer player. So, the better athlete you are, the better chance you're going to have in the long run. And, and unfortunately, our system is basically set up to focus on winning and not development. Because we'll get the, like in baseball, you'll get a kid who's a great pitcher in the eighth grade. And that's just because he's figured out motor control and he's he can move his body better because he's he's just developed those traits sooner, right? A lot of the tall, ganglier kids that end, actually end up being like major league pitchers later on might not necessarily have that at a young age because they just don't they just haven't figured it out yet. They're developmentally behind, but that doesn't mean in the long run at eighteen they're not going to be better. So that eight that kid eighth grader ends up pitching a ton because they want to win, and you know there's different numbers out there, but the, there's kind of this number that you get ten thousand pitches. And then something goes wrong, and and I've talked to Eric Cressy about this, but uh, you know it, it kind of varies with you know there's different factors involved, but that's just a general kind of uh, number thrown out there by a few people. Do you really want to use all those pitches up in little league? And then what happens if you end up being a really good pitcher as an eighth grader, but then later on you develop and you don't have those same characteristics when you're 18? You know, in the eighth grade kids should be learning how to play the infield the outfield they should be playing catcher they should be playing you know all sports of different positions to learn the game um i have a prime example of a kid that i was exposed to at one of the high schools that i worked at uh here in lexington he was an incredible swimmer uh but they decided he was going to be a basketball player and he was six four in middle school so he played center his entire you know athletic career great center probably the best center in high school in Kentucky period uh, but he didn't grow so he ended up having to go to a small school which is nothing wrong with that but if he had been allowed to play point guard or, or small forward or move the ball up and down the floor a little bit um, he could have probably played to major division one at a pretty good school but he didn't have the skill set and once you've if you've only played center your entire um, you know basketball career to try and switch from playing center to playing you know small forward or point guard in college is just not going to happen you have you have to develop those skills early on so these kids are being forced into playing positions that might not be what they're good at later on in life or it might not even be the best sport for them later on in life you look at Stuart McGill and his talking about hip structure some of these kids don't have the right structure for the sport they're in. 
So exposing them to multiple sports early on to give them this variety of movement and this learning education so that later on in life, if they've got hip structure where a lateral sport or a throwing sport is more what they're made for, they can go in that direction. But, you know, if all they've ever played is soccer since they were six and then they end up having like, you know, a high jumper body type, <laughs> you know, it's 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 not going to be. It's, it's not going to be an easy transition for them. They're not going to be able to do it, you know. But if they're exposed to different things as they're developing, and um, our, our youth training, our youth sports has to change from more of a we're here to win to more of a here, we're here to develop athletes. Um, I was at a, in a NSCA seminar a number of years ago, and they had these two swim coaches up on the stage, and, and – and the one swim coach was bragging about all the high school championships he's won. And the other swim coach, I think, was from the same state. And he kind of he was kind of chuckling and laughing and shaking his head. And, um, the, you know, of course, the moderator was like, well, what do you what, what's the deal here? And he's like, well, ask ask that coach how many college swimmers he has and how many world champions and Olympians he's developed. And the high school, the, the guy who won all the high school championships kind of puts his head down. He's like, none. He's like, he maybe had one or two kids that went to college. And he was like, I don't focus on now. He's like, I focus on what I see in the future. And a lot of the kids that are going to be super incredible at a later age might not be your the best at a younger age, at 12, at 13. So coaches need to start we need to start thinking about long-term development, long-term athleticism with these kids instead of focusing on winning now. Like if I was in charge of baseball, I would make the kids change like positions every game or change positions every inning or something along those lines. So they have to learn how to play all, you know, the, the positions um, so that they learn multiple um, skills. Um it happens a lot. We see it with football too. We'll, we'll see a kid who's super fast in a straight line. And so all the coaches do is run reverses and run fly patterns. But guess what? When he gets that scholarship and he has to step up and all of a sudden there's guys just as fast as him, he can't run an in route. He doesn't know how to get off the line of scrimmage. Um, he can't block anybody because he's never been asked to do that. So developing fundamental skills, you know, basketball, I've seen number of kids over the years working with different teams that can only dribble with one hand, but they were so fast that it didn't matter. But then they stepped up a level and all of a sudden they couldn't go both directions and that was it. They, they just couldn't, you know, and it, it, it takes kids like that sometimes a couple of years to, to go backwards and to learn the ability to go both directions. So with young athletes, the name of the game is developing fundamental skills in multiple um, sports and just developing athleticism. And you do that by playing multiple sports. You do that by having uh, times of the year where you're doing things for fun and it's not as competitive and you're playing ultimate Frisbee or you're playing ping pong or badminton or something different just to develop. You know, I had some soccer girls that uh, are getting ready for their uh, – competitive season they're like well, what should we do from conditioning and i said well you want to run just enough to be ready for the tests but you know go out and play tennis for fun with each other for 20 30 minutes and just like hit the ball back and forth just 
like not like trying to like win, but just so you're moving side to side and you're moving in different ways and you're developing like tracking the ball and your hand-eye coordination. Uh, there needs to be more of that and and less of like okay we're going to work on getting better at a specific skill only and not having that general athleticism we're so concerned about rushing into specificity that a lot of kids end up breaking Um, of course there's going to be those outliers that are going to be phenomenal no matter what happens to them they just can survive anything but there also has to be a perspective in this that I always talk about parents that come to me with a kid that wants to play in college. Um, this more than likely there's a 99.99% chance that your child is not going to get paid to play sports. So we need to think of it. What it is, what is sports good for sports is good to teach kids how to win and lose work ethic, um, competitiveness. Um, there's a reason why, corporations hire athletes because they know how to work as a team they know how to work hard they know how to show up after they've lost you know a lot of people don't don't do well with with adversity so these are all things and another thing is the love of being active a lot of these kids i get so burned out with baseball or volleyball or soccer they're so burned out by the end of their and and exercises you know running has been used for punishment for them by the end of their career, they don't want to do anything. So they just quit exercising altogether. But, you know, we need to have a different perspective that the majority of these kids are not going to get paid to play the sport. Uh, the majority of these kids are playing for fun, and we need to make it fun. Um, and that way the kids that are exceptional are going to have a better chance at, at making it in the long run. And the kids that not are going to have a love for movement and a love for competitiveness and a love for sport that's going to that's gonna last a lifetime. And then, you know, I think, in my opinion, there would be less major sports injuries if, if there was more diversity and if there was less emphasis put on winning. And then once you hit 16, 17, that's when winning starts to, you know, starts to be a factor. But before then, it should all be about fun and it should be all be about learning. Um and that's just kind of my two cents, but um, that's kind of my approach when I'm approached with someone that's, that's, you know, 12, 13, 14. And then, of course, the talk on nutrition and sleep and, you know, the kids eat so cruddy today that if you get somebody that comes in and you can just get them to eat a protein in every meal and eat some vegetables and not drink three or four sodas or energy drinks a day and get, get in bed by by 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock and not be on chat, you know, Snapchat or chatty snappy or snappy chatty or whatever it is, or Facebook or Instagram till two o'clock in the morning, that's going to be a huge advantage for them. So that low hanging fruit is, is really important and consistency is the key. So something else I wanted to announce, you know, I've been, um, basically, uh, people have been asking me for years if I would do online training. And one of the reasons I haven't done that is because one, it doesn't fit into my, 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 uh, my skill set. You know, organization is not one of my, my highly (laughs) skilled. I'm an in-person coach. Um, but I have found a system that is a year long lifestyle management program. It also comes with an exercise component that has everything from like fat loss to, um, Um, you know, if you haven't done any exercise whatsoever, or if you've got, you know, acute low back injuries or chronic low back injuries or hand injuries or foot injuries, 
they have an exercise component that is pretty much dead on what I would do. Um, and, and it's a system that I can follow you along with. So I just wanted to make this known that, uh, I will be taking a, a limited number of people, and this is part of my restructuring um, to give me some 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 different uh, things to do. But I'll be able to follow you along and answer your questions and give you feedback through this system. But one of the reasons I like it is because it's based on lifestyle change and habit change, and it gives you things to work on weekly. It's just not like a printout of food, and it's going to teach you you know, portion control and mindfulness and there's meditation practice involved. It's really the most complete thing I've ever seen. That being said, if your goal is to be a powerlifter or like to drive performance, unless you're like starting off in a really horrible state, you're better off like going with Kiefer's people. If you're looking to do figure competitions, bodybuilding, it's not for that. But if you're somebody who's let themselves go and you're embarrassed to go into a gym or you know, you don't really have a trainer or a coach that you can find that you're comfortable with, uh, that you want to do this kind of thing on your own, and budget is a is a uh, a factor. Um, this is the program for you. Like I've got a few people on there that are just very very embarrassed that where they're at, and they don't want to go into a gym. Um, they want to do it at home. Uh, they want to learn how to eat better. They want to learn how to shut off their cravings. They want to become more mindful in what they're doing because they've just kind of let themselves go. This, this is the kind of program for you and you might know somebody who might benefit from that, from, from that. If you want to check it out, it's on Jim Laird, G Y M L A I R D.com. Uh, you just go that you go down the tab and there's a lifestyle coaching, uh, there and you can, you can check it out and then you would sign up through, through our system, uh, to pay for it. And then it, it explains everything there and then basically you'd be added to it. You would get an email from the system and then I'd be able to interact with you. So I'd be able to follow you along with your progress. And if you have any questions, we can, we can help you with that, but I'm only taking a few people for that. Uh, I don't want to become overwhelmed with it. It's something I really enjoy doing. Um, it's something I've been using with some of my current clients because a lot of times it has all sorts of questionnaires and feedback. And a lot of times people won't tell you in person what they're truly thinking, but they'll write it down. So it's helped me gain a lot of insight into some of the current clients I'm working with. Obviously we're doing the nutrition lifestyle side of things. Um, and then if you sign up online, you get the exercise component as well. And it suggests an exercise component and then I can go in and change it. Um, but it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed with it. I'm very proud to be able to offer it. Um, so that's there for you too, if you choose to check that out, or if you know somebody, a parent, um, it's appropriate for all age groups, 18 and over, uh, young athletes that they're eating is absolutely horrible. This would be a great way for them to learn how to eat better, uh, and to make better choices. Um, so yeah, so that wraps it up. And, uh, if you have any more questions, uh, hopefully after this one, I'll be able to get back into some of the interviews that I need to catch up on. Uh, it'll be a little, my life is going to, is going to simplify itself here in the next couple months, hopefully. And I'll have more time to, uh, to get into doing the interviews again, which I, which I really enjoy. So I appreciate your patience. I, I appreciate the, everybody at body. IO's patience, um, for, for dealing with me and some of my, um, 
challenges, you might say. Um, so if you want to check me out, uh, of course, I have a blog, which I do a horrible job at updating, but that's Jim, J-I-M-L-A-R-D.org, Jim Laird. And then the gym is Jim, G-Y-M-L-A-I-R-D.com. I have an Instagram, I have Twitter, and I have Facebook. And if you have any questions, you can email me at Jim Laird, L-A-I-R-D, dot com or yeah jim laird at jim laird.com so and there's a contact uh button on our on our gym website if you want to do that as well and once again thanks for listening to the show if you have any questions please reach out and uh please continue to support Kiefer and his endeavors so i continue i can continue to do this show have a great day been listening to the jim laird show with your host jim laird if you'd like to hear more log on to body.io don't miss the next episode of the jim laird show when he'll probably say something inappropriate but unexpectedly insightful (laughs) 